Lay man. Well, let's turn our Bibles, our devices, to 1 John, continuing on in our text of chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. I know we went over verse 20 last time, but we will be continuing with the same thought process from verse 20. So we'll read verses 20 through 24, and then we'll get into our lesson, our message today. Let's read the text. 1 John chapter 2, 20 through 24, and we'll say a brief prayer and have the message. It reads, But ye have an unction, or an anointing, from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you, because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lies of the truth. Who is a liar? But he that denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist that denies the Father and the Son. Whosoever denies the Son, the same hath not the Father, but he that acknowledgeth the Son has the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, give us the ears to hear this morning. Give me the words to speak without anything lacking. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Bless your name. Make less of us, less of me, and more of Christ. Let us continue to fall upon the mercy and the truth that is in Jesus Christ. We bless your name, bless the message, bless the hearers of the message as well. Amen. This piece of text in 1 John is so difficult to weave through because he reiterates so many themes and issues in absolute terms. Um, so the, the line of thought kind of weaves in and out. So you remember our last title of the last sermon was Antichrist and those who follow them. A title today will be sort of similar, but we will continue on this title in the next couple of passages of scripture. The Holy One and those who abide in him. True believers, those who are true saints of God, those who have been saved by the blood sacrifice and the pure unmerited grace of God through the person of Jesus Christ. We do not believe in Christ because we are smarter than other people. We do not come to faith and believe in Christ because we are more inquisitive or investigative. We do not believe in Christ because we worked harder or sought some extra biblical or esoteric knowledge. We do not believe in Christ because of our physical heritage, lineage, or geographical locations from which we descend. We do not believe in Christ because of our ethnic background, bloodline, or, or any fallen human genealogy. We believe in Christ 
because Christ first loved us. Christ revealed himself to us, and Christ gave us hearts to believe. Because of Christ, we were given the gift of repentance. Because of Christ, we were given the faith. Because of Christ, we were given the gift of grace. Because of Christ, we were made clean, made righteous, and made holy. So from beginning to end, or should we say from beginning to eternity, Christ is truly Alpha and Omega, all in all. We believe Jesus Christ is Messiah, Redeemer, Savior because he sovereignly saved us, because he is God. And as we discussed last time, because he is the Holy One, and almost every time the phrase Holy One is mentioned in the Old Testament, it is associated with the name of God, Yahweh. Jesus is that Holy One of God. Even the demons and Satan know his name, his title, his status. He is Yahweh come in the flesh, yet was never separated from his divinity. Because a true Christian believes that, this is the reason why we who are elect will not believe Antichrist. This is why we will never depart from the faith, go out and believe many antichrists or those who profess to be Christ. This is the power of the anointing, the unction, the discerning urging to seek and understand the words of Jesus. See, the anointing is not some extra Christian superpower only given to the ones who are talented. The anointing doesn't mean that you are extra holy or somehow more holy than other believers. The anointing isn't a second spiritual washing of baptism. The anointing doesn't make you sing well, dance well, pray well, or preach well. No. From the moment the Lord lays his effectual grace upon you, every believer is anointed. Every believer is able to hear and read the word of God and hear the voice of Jesus Christ the Lord because the Holy Spirit resides in them, reminding us of the truth found only in Christ. In John 10, 4 through 5, Jesus says this. He says it in a parable form, but he's speaking of himself. He says, when he, speaking of the shepherd, has brought out all his own. He goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Verse 5, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. We, beloved, we listen to Jesus, and only Jesus, because he is our shepherd. He is the good shepherd, and nothing or no one who is unfamiliar, strange, or false will we follow. No imposter, no imitator, no one trying to set themselves up in the place of Christ and Antichrist will we follow. Because once we are captured by the love of Christ, we abide in him. And that's what we will use as a part of our title of the message today. The Holy One 
and those who abide in him. This is an amazing stark contrast. You have those who follow Antichrist and you have those who abide in Jesus, the Christ. The false and the true, the fake and the authentic, the ones who try to take the place of and the ones in whom the rightful place is. You have those that follow and those who abide. Now, don't get me wrong. We do follow Christ, but our following is much more than just an act of trailing after Christ. It is an act of resting, being in him, with him. If you remember in the previous verses, you have those that follow Antichrist because they were not in Christ. And it is proven because they did not remain with those who were in Christ. They were not of us. But those who have been anointed by the Holy One, Jesus, we have a place with him. This is why he is described as the good shepherd in John 10. You see, the Bible says the hired hand, the hireling, in that same chapter in John 10, is not a shepherd. He is just there for his personal gain. He is there to profit, to make merchandise of you, and to make much of himself. This is why when danger comes, as the text says in John 10, the wolf comes, he flees. John 10, 12 through 13, it says he does this because he does not own the sheep. They are not his, but the good shepherd, he owns them. He protects them. He brings them into the fold and he lays down his life for them. So let's turn to our text. Let's go down one verse now that we've established the Holy One and who he is. First John 2 and 21. 1 John 2, 21, it reads, I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, and that no lies of the truth. Once again, John's purpose is to reinforce confidence. We who are believers have the truth of knowing Christ. Up to this point in the letter, we have seen him perform several litmus tests. John has described what it means to be in darkness and to be in light. What it means to not keep his word and to keep, it word, keep his word. What it means to love the world and what it means to love God. And now he turns back to the contrast of truth and lies. I'm not writing to you because you don't know the truth, but I am writing to you because you know it. The reason we can know that this is positive, gracious reinforcement to believers is because he has weeded out through absolute direct language the ones who do not know the truth. Those who hate their brother. Those who do not keep his commandments. Those who love the world. Those who left the assembly and followed after Antichrist. Those who are antichrist. I'm not writing to them, John is saying. As a matter of fact, they're gone. Verse 19, if they were the ones I was, think, uh, I was talking to, they would have stayed with us. But they went out that it may be proven that they were never about 
are, in, are, are, are with us in the first place. But you, you who abide in Christ, believe in Christ, keep the commandments of Christ, reject the Antichrist, you know the truth. And the last statement of the text, and that no lie is of the truth. Again, another contrast, no lie is of the truth. Also another quality of being, a, being of the Holy One, being in Christ is that we can know the truth. The definition of the truth has to do with what conforms to reality. How reality is defined or what is real. We can know the truth. We can only, um, we can also know what is real. We can only know what is real through Jesus Christ. Because he is the creator of all things. And by the word of his power does all things real consist upheld. That's John 1.1, 1, 1, right? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. John is operating off the same truth that has been revealed in Christ. That word, word in the Greek in John 1 is the word logos. And it is where we derive our word logic. Truth like logic, is quintessential to be able to function. Without logic in order, our understanding and how we recognize truth, you will literally have no ability to understand anything to be real. Your senses, your reasoning, and all the intelligent faculties of your mind mean nothing if you can't determine with absolute certainty that something is real or based in reality. As a Christian, we not only understand the truth of physical realities, what can be known by our God-given five senses, but because of the divine nature in Christ, we even understand spiritual reality through what has been revealed. It is the reason why we can discern. It is the reason why we can know, as John says. And it is the reason why we can tell who is false. A false Christian? a false prophet, and a false Christ. If you're caught in the desert and see what we call a mirage, a mirage appears real, your senses are evaluating the image seen as real, but a mirage isn't real at all. Just like a dream, it is untrue, it is manifested untruth that cannot be trusted. It is not reality. There is a line in one of my favorite movies, The Matrix, where the main character, Neo, has been awakened literally by this prophetic guru called Morpheus. To make a long story short, in the piece of fiction, uh, machines and robots have created a dream world that humans' brains are plugged into. But their bodies are sedated in the real world to provide the machines with enough energy to make them survive. The humans don't know that they are plugged in because, like a dream, they believe it's real. And so Morpheus says to Neo, you've been living in a dream world. And Neo replies, this isn't real? Then Morpheus replies by saying, what is real? How do you define real? If you're talking about what you can feel, what you can smell, what you can taste and see, then real is simply electrical signals interpreted by your brain. 
You hear that? If you only have human intellect, if you only have the five senses, secular humanism, you can be and will be fooled. You will believe the mirage. You will believe that the dream is real. Without the anointing of the Holy One, you will believe what is false. You will believe Antichrist. Do you know that there are people today that actually believe that we're living in the matrix? There are people that believe or have the notion that they are living in an alien simulation. There are actually people who believe that they are the only mind in the universe and that every other person they interact with is nothing but a figment of their own consciousness and imagination. It's called solipsism. Some are sociopaths and some are PhD professors that believe this, teaching these foolish things. All of them are playing crazy, if you ask me, but I had to be understanding because had it not been for the grace of God, the Holy One of Israel, Jesus Christ, who is the truth, we would be in the same condition. In John 8, 31, 32, says, so Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, my logo, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. In this passage, Christ clearly defines truth and also makes clear what will happen to those who abide in truth. He says, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples, my followers. And then he says, you will. Not you might or you have a good possibility, but you will. You will know the truth and the truth will make you free. In other words, if you continue in the logos who is Christ, not only would you be his disciples, but the logic that derives you, that derives from that, you will know him and he will lead you into absolute truth. But not only that, but since Christ is truth, when you truly come to know him, the truth, then the truth will make you free. And the son frees you and you are free indeed. The words make free are very interesting. Some translations say set free, but the same idea is conveyed here. These words make free in the Greek is eleutos. It is only used one time in the New Testament. And that one time is found in John 8. It means to properly set free, to release from bondage, to remove the restrictions, to remove the scales from your eyes. You can know the truth. John says, you know it already. In other words, only in Christ can you find the truth that corresponds with reality so as to liberate your mind from the bondage of sin and darkness that blinds you. Without truth, you are blinded by sin, bound by darkness, and are enslaved to uncertainty. Living with no reality of truth and with no truth, your reality is an existence of lies. No Christ, no truth, no liberty, just lies that lead to blindness. Let's move on. 1 John 2, 22. 
What does he say here? Who is a liar? But he that denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist that denies the Father and the Son. John moves on with that thought of truth that is established that says, who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. It is not you, the ones who are saved, because you know the truth, but it is those who deny the logos. They deny the word. They deny Christ. This is the reason why the rejection of Christ has not only eschatological consequences and judgment day consequences, but the consequences of their rejection are made manifest in their undiscerning, incoherent, absurd understanding and worldviews. Because Christ is the foundation, the precondition for intelligence. Because Christ is necessary for all truth. A denial of Christ is a denial of truth. A denial of Christ is a denial of freedom and therefore any acceptance of anything outside of Christ is slavery. Slavery to the world, slavery to the flesh, and slavery to Satan. See, the word deny here is a very strong word. The word deny in the Greek, it is Arminios it is a form the root word arnemai. It means to affirm refusal. It means to repudiate. So the text could read like this. Who is a liar but those who strongly confess refusal and repudiate Jesus the Messiah. That Jesus is the anointed appointed one. We reject it. This denial, this word for denial, is in several places in Scripture. I'll name a few. 1 Timothy 5.8, it says, But if any provide for not his own, especially for those of the house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel, an unbeliever. You deny the very faith that you profess when you do not protect and provide for your own. John 13.38 Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for my sake, for me? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have Arnemai denied me three times, talking to Peter. All throughout the gospel account, Mark, Matthew, Luke, John, and Peter, he denied Jesus three times. John 18, 25. Now Simon Peter stood and, war and warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, you are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. Verse 27. Peter denied again and immediately the rooster crowed. Acts 3, 12 through 16. We have that same Peter who Arnemai denied Jesus speaking boldly. Look at what he says. Acts 3, 12 through 16. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, my, why are you amazed at this? Why marvel at this? Or why look you so earnestly on us <coughs> as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob 
the God of our fathers has glorified his son, Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Verse 14, but you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted to you. Barabbas. Verse 15, and killed the prince of life from whom God raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name through faith in his name hath made this man strong, the man he healed, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him his perfect soundness and the presence of you all. The same Peter that repudiated and refused Christ three times is the same Peter being filled with the spirit of Christ, having the anointing of the Holy One and living in light of the revealed witness of truth of Christ became an even more powerful representative and witness of Christ. That is what our conversion does to us. At first, we reject Christ. We don't seek after God. No, not one. We hate God in our sin. We don't want God because God's light reveals our darkness and our sin. But when we are transformed by Christ, we step out of darkness. We are out of the darkness and we are plucked out and put into the marvelous light of Jesus Christ. Let's move on to verse 23. Now myself and Pastor Castillo especially have in the past expounded on the oneness of God, the Trinitarian nature, the relationship of God the Father, but we'll reiterate a couple points. 1 John 2 and 23. It reads, Whosoever denies the Son, the same has not the Father, but he that acknowledgeth the Son has the Father also. The relationship between God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are one. One point that we will, will reiterate is that because of the oneness of the Father and the Son, there is absolutely no room for denial of one or the other. Secondarily, there is no room for denial of God's chosen people, which is why we come to church, the gathering, which is why we come to the Lord's table, communion as a family. It is also why we love one another in fellowship and community. Because we all confess to be in Christ. You see, if you deny any portion of who Jesus is, you have denied the Father. And in so doing, denied the very essence of God. If you deny Jesus came in human flesh then you deny the work of the Holy Spirit. If you deny Jesus' Jesus's divine nature, that he was God made flesh, then you deny the fullness of the Godhead. If you deny the works of Jesus ordained and foretold in prophecy, then you deny the Father by denying his will for the Son. So the same people who deny Jesus and everything he is, which includes his works, prophetic fulfillment, and divinity, then they do not have God the Father at all. 
They don't have truth. And without truth, as I stated, you will have no choice but to believe a lie. You will believe that Jesus is the spirit brother of Lucifer, Satan. Mormon, you will be a latter-day saint. You will believe that Jesus did not die on the cross. Therefore, he did not rise from the dead. Therefore, there is no resurrection. Islam, Muslim. Then you will believe that Jesus is not Messiah, that he was not divine, and he was just a first century Jew that got himself killed for his blasphemy and rebellion against Roman authority. That is the majority belief of both secular and orthodox Jews. So yes, we serve a wholly different God than they do. Without the Son, you don't have the true and living God. You have a false God because you have a false Christ or a false understanding of Christ. We need to thank God every day that he did not leave us to our mere senses and reveal to us through Holy Scripture the Son. Reveal to us through the Spirit and the anointing of the Holy One that the Son of God is the Christ. Thank God that we acknowledge the Son. Because through that, we also have the Father. We have the abundant opposite of what those who deny Christ have. By acknowledging the Son, we have the truth. We have the anointing. But most of all, we have oneness with the Father because we have the Son. Let's go to our last verse. Verse 24. 1 John 2.24, it says, Let that therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. Again, spiritual, gracious, positive, truthful exhortation from John here. In other words, John is saying, you already believe this. My writings to you are nothing more than affirmations of what you already know to be true. It is what you heard from the beginning of my letter. And as we have discussed before, I believe that when John uses that phrase, he means from the beginning of God's law that was laid down in the Old Testament. But either way, if you rest in what you know to be true about Christ, if you trust the unction, the anointing from God that, on, that only God can give you, then you will remain. You will be preserved. You will keep going in Christ. I remember an old song. A passage of that song, it says, there were many that started out with me, but now they're gone astray. But I'm still here holding on, holding on to Jesus' hand. See, if you're a Christian, you have no choice. If Jesus being God is holding you, where are you going to go? Who is going to remove you from his protection? Who can take you away from the place you are abiding? I think of it like this. I imagine an amusement park. Somewhere like uh, Fair Park. Or if you take your child to a sporting event in a stadium, it's a much different experience if you have someone you are taking care of 
if you're a guardian or a, a parent. See, the child is looking at the sights and the sounds and the game and the lights, totally oblivious to the dangers around them. The danger of getting lost in massive crowds. The dangers of a foul ball being hit, barreling at them at 90 miles an hour. The danger of predators who would seek to kidnap them, snatch them from your hands. I often say to my wife, and I say to anyone, if anyone is bold enough to try to attempt to kidnap my children while I'm holding on to them, they will have to kill me. Because there is no way I would ever let them go. This is what comforts me. Who is going to kill God? Who is going to remove God's hand? Then I think to myself, if I, as a mere fleshly human man, who does not love his children perfectly at times, if I think this way about my children, how much more does God think about his children? The answer is the father loves us as he loves his own son. And so if we continue in the son, we will continue in the father also. This is why our flesh can not snatch us from his hand. No devil, no demon, no antichrist. That's why Jesus says, yes, there are going to be some strong, deceptive delusions. And if it were possible, they would be able to fool the very elect. But it is not possible because we are his elect. We belong to him. He will not let go. No one can thwart his plan. Let's close at John 10. Turn over to John 10, verse 25. John 10 and 25, he's finishing the same parable that we began with in the beginning. Jesus answered them, I told you and you did not believe me. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe not because you are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And give to them eternal life and they shall never die, never perish, never shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them to me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Did you catch that? The Son's hand and the Father's hand are the same. Because they are one. You cannot abide in Satan because he doesn't own anything. He didn't create anything. For he himself was created. 
You cannot abide in Antichrist or Antichrist because God allows and upholds the very nature that they even exist. So we can only abide in God. We can only live and move and have our being in God. And therefore, Christ is our place, is our refuge, our certainty, our surety, a home in the Son of God. Who is the one? The Holy One with the Father. The one that sits at his right hand. The one the Father has sent the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other. This is the reason why John is so absolute in his language. He wants you to be sure and know and hold on to Christ and know that you will be preserved despite your sin. Despite the sin of any other. Despite naysayers, despite false prophets, despite antichrist, antichrist. You are in Christ and you know the truth. Let us thank God that we are in Christ and that there is no other. He doesn't make it complicated. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God, the Father, except they come through me. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we bless you. We honor you because you are the only way. You are the only way to eternal life. You are the only way we know. You are the only truth. You give us discernment, understanding, courage. In spite of all the surrounding untruths. In spite of all those who say nay. In spite of all those who do not believe and confess that you are Lord. But there is coming a day where we bow willingly, there is coming a day where you will break the knees of those who do not confess your name. For every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Let us be fervent in our gospel. Let us present it to every creature that we come in contact with to let them know that it is now is the time of salvation through Jesus Christ and him alone. Not of works that we can brag on ourselves. Not of pretty trappings but the humility, the contrite spirit, and the broken heart, you will not turn away. We bless your name because of Christ and that he is the Holy One of Israel through his works and his perfect sovereign grace which was bestowed upon us. We bless you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, because there is no other. Amen. <laughs>